0: Lars, and welcome to the Green Room podcast.
1: Hey, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. So, how do we know each other?
1: Uh, we went to college together. We, we uh, did
0: Brown College, Rice Brown University. Co-
1: Rice fight never die.
0: <laughs> and I remember. I don't know if I think you were a advisor when I was a freshman. Something um, like
1: that. Yeah, I think I. Yeah, I was the year ahead of you. So right. and
0: I just always saw you around walking the halls and stuff I don't I I don't I remember like in our little study nook and just vaguely remember you like walking back and forth through it for some reason um that's what comes to mind but also we did like some musical theater stuff together right yeah um I was always like on the soundboard like I didn't sing or anything um
1: I was usually in the chorus because I wasn't that good at singing (laughs) 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's okay <laughs> i was also not good at singing yeah. and that's why i wasn't even on the stage great so what are we going to be talking about today
1: um we're going to be talking about cancer super exciting super <laughs> um,
0: exciting
1: yeah so uh
0: Uplifting message nothing could go wrong yeah go on
1: i was well i was diagnosed with cancer um we're in June, so this would have been about seven months ago, seven, eight months ago. And um, mm-hmm. it's had a really large impact on my life, obviously.
0: As it should. Uh, yes.
1: And um, yeah, it felt like um, when you invited me on to talk about uh, something, this was sort of just the first thing that popped up. So thank you for the opportunity to kind of like share about right. this whole journey experience.
0: A long time ago, I asked people what they'd be interested in talking about, and I forgot what you said, something about maybe trans rights or something, which is also very important. But then this has also come up, and so it's very important as well, and definitely worth talking about if you're willing to share about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's also a really important thing, but I would not consider myself an expert on... I think it was... I'm pretty sure it was um, trans participation in sports, although that has come up a lot more, obviously, but... (laughs) Yes,
0: it's come up so much more since you brought it up and Mm -hmm. now it's just, it's coming up so often it makes me angry is what I want to say. Anyway, yeah, so back to about you and your specific story. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, how did it all start? Like what were your initial symptoms and everything?
1: Um, Yeah, so I, you know, sometime around last summer um, I was noticing that I had some weird double vision when I was l- looking off into the periphery. Um, I kind of just figured it was like, oh, I'm getting older. I've spent the past four years staring at computer screens. Um, I should yeah. probably go see an optometrist. Um, so went to the optometrist. They did a really thorough workup and noticed some abnormalities uh, with like my intraocular pressure. And some choroidal folds on the back of my retina, very... Uh,
0: I don't know what any of those, yeah. <laughs> well, know, ocular means, but...
1: Um, but they recommend, anyway, they recommended that I go see an ophthalmologist. So go see an ophthalmologist. He recommends an MRI, and that MRI revealed a large sort of mass, a tumor, Um, behind my eye that was pushing on it Um, Mm -hmm. and that was sort of the first big sign Um, at that point we didn't know if it was cancerous or not it could have been benign Um, there were actually kind of lots of signs that it it might be benign Um, but anyway got to take it out so uh, I got a biopsy Um, so basically surgery where they go
0: take out a tiny piece
1: um it can either be uh like what you said like a tiny piece or in this case since it was small enough that they could do it like with a pretty small incision and if it was Mm -hmm. benign it'd be better to just take it off all at once um that's what they did so okay yeah they call it an excisional biopsy
0: excisional
1: yes excise makes sense yeah uh so yeah excisional biopsy um i took it out and tested it and uh yeah in december is when we found out that it was cancerous um pretty rare form yeah a pretty rare form of cancer uh adenoid cystic carcinoma what does that mean it it's a tumor uh type of Cancer tumor uh, that impacts salivary glands in your head, so often the head and neck area. In this mm. case, it was um, my tear ducts, which was also an interesting discovery because um, probably mm. about a year prior. Um, so at that point, it was November of 21. Um, I had actually started noticing like this weird burning sensation when I cried, but it was only when I cried and it felt like a sty. Oh. So I kind yeah. of. Ignored it. um, And turns out that's probably one of the first signs that something was going on.
0: are pretty common. Yeah. So, like, that seems like a good first guess.
1: Yeah. So, that being said, um, it was pretty uh, fortunate that the optometrist had done such a thorough exam. Um, because it's the mm-hmm. sort of thing that can go undiagnosed for a really long time.
0: Oh, yeah. They could have looked at it and been like, oh, it was actually,
1: Yeah.
0: We think it's this other thing that's not right, and then, yeah, back and forth with that a whole bunch. Yeah. So, yeah, good thing that did not happen, I guess. Got to find the, what is it? Got to find the... Silver lining. Silver lining. Got to find the silver lining, yeah. yeah. Thank you. So, what sort of treatments have you undergone for this? What does that look like?
1: So, uh, it was a funny time of the year to do this because uh, it was December and um, I had to just undergo gone,
0: your treatment?
1: Well, yeah, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I had just gone through open enrollment and with the hint of something, I ended up changing my insurance because i had previously been on Kaiser. Which is a closed system, mm-hmm. um, and, or there's probably a more accurate word for that. But you know, if you're if you're on Kaiser, you can only go to Kaiser hospitals,
0: right? Yeah, in network.
1: Yeah, in network. Yes, uh, and my family. I have a lot of family in Houston. Um, that's where I grew up. That's where uh, my mom and two of my sisters live, um, mm. and we have a lot of connections too. MD Anderson, um, that's where my mom was at the time currently being treated. My dad worked there. My dad was treated there. So uh, long story short, I ended up switching insurances uh, at the end.
2: Just in <laughs> at time. At the change of
1: the year. Yep. And um, But that ended up causing some delays because I had to get all my stuff transferred over, and that was oh, no. a whole story.
0: Uh, I complained so much about our healthcare system because okay. we just had a baby and just it's just so needlessly complicated. I hate, hate it with a passion. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> should, we can definitely um, talk about that. But
0: mine is only minor yeah. compared to what I'm sure you've had to go through, and I'm not even the one who should, ought to be talking about this at this point. So you go on.
1: We so once I got uh, my new care team um, at M- uh, at M. Anderson, the treatment there were different. Uh, teams involved. There was the um, sort of surgical team, um, head and neck surgery, uh, who did consults with neurosurgery. There was the radiation oncologist and the medical oncologist. And so, between those four uh, teams, those four doctors, um, we ended up coming up with a care plan that uh, involved basically all three, uh, chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation therapy.
0: Um, yeah, just go all in.
1: Yeah. All in, uh, there. So I started out with, on a clinical trial for chemotherapy actually, um, Mm. because of the type of cancer that I had, again, it's pretty rare. And so, Um, It happened that there was a clinical trial that I would be a good candidate for given that I had not undergone any other treatment and uh, any other treatment yet. And so this would be sort of a fresh. Yeah. uh, I don't want to call it a run, but like a fresh run, a fresh go at it. You're
0: at the cutting edge of science.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The idea being that if the chemo could shrink the tumor enough then they might not need to take out as much for the surgery. Um, so I did four weeks of that. And then as it turns out, uh, it was either not effective enough or Anyway, my next MRI. It just
0: might not be as effective. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My next MRI, they're like, okay, we're going to go for surgery. Um, so that was really exciting. And by exciting, I mean really terrifying. <sighs> Because they were like, let's bump Absolutely. everything up. Because um, it had grown yeah, that much.
0: That's, nobody wants to hear that.
1: Yeah. Uh, so the surgical team um, did, let, I mean, they pre- prepped me in advance for what, the, what was going to happen. Um, and basically, they, the tumor had grown so much that um, it had impacted the optical nerve and then also pushed back towards my brain and broken through. Some of the um, the bone and the um, membrane, so the dura mater, which surrounds the brain, um, it had punched a little hole, and and the now my brain tumor was
0: breaks through the bone,
1: or it can like eat through it. Yeah.
0: Wow, I did not know that that's how it worked at all. <laughs> yeah. That is, I mean, it was already terrifying. That is now yeah. even more terrifying.
1: Um, yeah. So. Uh surgery was long. Um, they I've got a super cool scar running across my head where they peeled down my face to kind of get access to everything and yeah. um, then they removed a bunch of tissue from the side of my head, um, including my eye, stitched it back up. Um, they actually oh when they take stuff out, they have to put something back in. So they took muscle from my thigh and like, Oh, I don't know how they folded it up, but they put it all back in there. <laughs> and, um,
0: Interesting. so your face has thigh muscle in yep. it now. Yep. Cool. Cool. I mean, that is, I'm, mean, if anybody tried to do that a hundred years ago, they would just have called them insane. So yeah. the fact that they can do that is kind of cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, I was surgery. Um, I had about a month of recovery time um, before I started radiation, and then another round of ch- chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. So, radiation is kind of like—I uh, mean, they're ba- they're basically using lasers or whatever equivalent to um, burn away sort of the microscopic cells remaining. So, the idea being oh, okay. the surgery removed most of the cancer, uh, most of the tumor. Right. Um, but then there's all this like microscopic stuff floating around still. So they use radiation therapy and chemo to, um, get the rest of it to attack everything else and, and clear up the spaces. So to prevent, um, hopefully a recurrence or a metastasis.
0: Right. Okay. I did hear a little bit about the radiation where they like shoot a bunch of different lasers from different directions they all converge in your head and like have the extra strength at that one little point is that is that right is that what you experienced
1: I can't speak to the number of lasers involved but (laughs) yes pinpoint precision was the idea in fact um every session basically I had to go back every day for five days a week for six weeks um and like I had to wear this giant mask, which uh, I call the face cage because it was molded to my, it's it's some sort of like hard, rigid polymer that was molded to my face um, and my head, neck and shoulders. So I'm lying down on the table, um, cannot move um, because that's the whole point is that if-
0: Yeah. Any movement, the laser is going to hit a different spot. Exactly. You do not want that.
1: Yeah. So- that was also, um, I think. I think honestly, that was kind of really okay. Really cool technology, awesome. Super grateful for it. But that was worse than than like losing my eye. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was a. It was. It was the sort of drudgery, the slog of it all. That- I'm gonna
0: go in every day, and I assume mm-hmm. this was not a 20 minute procedure.
1: Um, it was probably 20 to 30 minutes actually. Um, Okay. But yeah, there was a lot involved. And if they were running behind, you know, sometimes I was waiting for 15 minutes. Sometimes I was waiting for an hour and a half. Um, It just kind of depended on how they're, how they were going that day. Um, And then some of the side effects the side effects for radiation were cumulative. So the first two weeks, it was like pretty okay. But as the time wore on, I was like definitely starting to see more sort of sunburn and radiation. Um, It it was Mm -hmm. basically, it felt like a sunburn um, in the area where that was impacted. Um, I lost hair um, because it got burned off. So my eyelashes and my eyebrows um, disappeared. Uh, Definitely. There was fatigue. There was nausea. Um,
0: you did the radiation before chemo or concurrent?
1: Oh, uh, concurrent with the second round of chemo. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you, it's hard to even tell which one, yeah. which symptoms might be related to which thing. Yeah. And they all, all kind of suck.
1: Actually for me, the funniest Funniest side effect of one of the chemo symptoms um, was that I went through temporary menopause, Um, but that wasn't something that we had talked about. That I we had talked about with the doctor beforehand. It was just kind of like one week I started experiencing what could only be described as hot flashes. Yeah. On why why am I really sweaty for this thirty seconds to a minute, Um, and I had no idea what was going on. And then I mentioned it at my next checkup, and the the doctor in a very um, basically when I was trying to describe what was happening, and I was like, I don't know if this is related to anything. And she was like, Oh yeah, that's a thing, only in a much more scholarly doctorly way.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Never knew that was an option.
1: But I thought it was actually just kind of funny on at that point.
0: Um, like, yeah, that's just one more thing on top of the plate. Yeah. What about prognosis? Is that,
1: so at this point, um, I've completed all of the treatment. Um, I've been done for about a month and I am headed back to Houston, um, in a week to get some, basically the scans done. So, um, there's actually some really like specific language to say, "Oh, I'm in remission or cancer-free." So I don't think I'm either of those yet, technically, because we haven't done the oh, scans. Oh, yeah, you haven't found out
2: yet.
1: Yeah, um, the surgery—they were really um, satisfied with the results. They achieved clean margins. The idea being, they removed they were able to remove all of what they could see visually um, of the tumor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was good. Um, and then, uh, we're waiting to see the, uh, you know, kind of official results of, of the radiation. Um, but from here on out, assuming everything comes back clean in this go around, um, I'll have an MRI and some PET scans done every three months, Mm -hmm. um, for the next two years, uh, to check for, again, metastasis or recurrence.
0: Coming back or anything. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And if those are clean, then then um, it switches to every six months for five years and something like that, um, and then right. annually. But, you know, I'll, uh, I'll be honest. Um, for this, yeah, again, for this particular type of cancer, um, I have looked at the statistics, and they're not great um, re- compared to – compared to some of the more common types um yeah it was very aggressive um when they were looking at all the histology and um like the cell types and things uh but the best sort of signs were that even before surgery there hadn't been any evidence of metastasis yet so um Hmm. I'm just going to have to keep. We're just going to have to pay attention to particular areas where it's been shown to more likely spread.
0: So yeah. So this is just a new rest of your life type situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I I think at this point, right? The the best thing that I can do is. Be
0: hopeful so so that segues nicely into what you had in your notes here as the next topic which was uh, so- sources of support mm-hmm. um and yeah so i always hear from people who have different illnesses talking about their support systems and having all sorts of opinions and stuff on that so what is your take on that
1: um you know, it was really kind of an interesting experience for me, um, going through all this. I have lived by myself for, um, seven plus years. Um, most of my, uh, immediate family or away from my immediate family. Um, my, my mm-hmm. mom and sisters are in Texas and Colorado, um, and that's worked really well for me, and I've felt like I've been this whole <laughs> ass independent person, and look at me, I can do all these things. And then when this all like when we found out about the MRI and then I had to do the biopsy, like even that um, you know, my very overprotective uh, older sisters uh, slash moms were like, "Do you need like can we come in for it? Can we?" can we help out um, I had friends who were offering to organize meal trains and things um, mm-hmm. but I was also like at that point really I don't know we didn't we didn't know if it was cancerous I was trying not to get worked up before um, knowing right. what the yeah. what the deal was um, and so I was like no 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 it's you know, it'll be fine. I can get myself to and from appointments. It'll be, it's no big deal. Um, My sisters came anyway. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) it was a good thing they did because um, when I was done with my biopsy, I was still like woozy as fuck. (laughs) Like I uh, woke up from you know, I had to, I had to go under general anesthesia and I woke up and I had no idea where I was. I was like, they, they, they were like, it's been two hours. That's your recovery time. Time to go. And I like couldn't see, they were putting my, they were taking the gown off and putting my shirt back on and ushering me out. And, um,
0: they got to fill these, they got to yeah. empty out these beds for n- new patients, I guess. Never mind the ones who currently need them.
1: Yeah. So that was. And then my sister, one of my sisters was only going to be there for um, like a day and a half, and then they were going to swap out. But yeah, she ended up changing her flights and staying an extra day. And then one of my sisters sent her husband because they didn't want me to be alone and I was super grateful for that. Because yeah, I was basically yeah. bedridden for a little bit. And even though I could have gotten up and fed myself and gotten the water and um,
0: It just would have been miserable. It would have
1: been miserable. Um, and so that was kind of the first real big light bulb moment for me where I was like, I'm gonna need I'm going to need help if if this goes further, um, if, if you don't know, have to do more.
0: Can I have a question maybe backing up a little bit? So at this point, you're just talking about the biopsy. Mm-hmm. That's where they took, took out, out... Uh, most of it. Mm-hmm. And then is that before or after they added you know the stuff from your thigh into back end? That was or before. That's different.
1: That was before. Okay. Um, so, yeah, at this point, this was like even pre-diagnosis. We knew that there was a mass behind my eye and they were just going to take it out and we were going to hope that it was benign. Um,
0: yeah. You still had your eye at this point.
1: I still had my eye at this point.
0: Okay. Sorry. Now I'm, I'm understanding where we are in the timeline now.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, well, and then, and that was like a minor procedure compared to what was coming up yeah so um, that was also a deciding factor in choosing to um, leave the Bay Area and get treatment in in Houston um, because mm-hmm. there was going to be so much
0: involved to um, come to Houston because this is where your family is or because the med Center here is particularly good at like this type of both. cancer, that type of stuff.
1: Both. I think a, a happy coincidence that, that it was both. Oh, and it's not a coincidence. My father was a radiologist at MD Anderson for uh, decades. And um, so we have a yeah. connection to the med center. And that's why we, my parents had moved to Houston in the first place. Um,
0: so. Makes sense.
1: Yeah, full circle. Um, so yeah, my family's been hugely supportive in all of this, and I'm really grateful that we I have such a positive relationship with with everyone with with my family. I know that's not uh, necessarily the case for a lot of people. Um, right. moving in with <laughs> yeah, moving in with sisters, mom, you know what have you, <laughs> uh, and then. I was really unsure about how much I wanted to post things about this publicly, um, like on, on Facebook yeah. or social media. Um,
0: I don't think I knew until you mentioned it when I messaged you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I Which is fine. Yeah. I, I think I was hesitant to try to make myself like the center of attention about something um, and or... I don't know, social media is just so weird, right? It's it's morphed. It started out as this really cool way to stay connected with people and then it morphed mm. into these totally...
0: Very angry spaces, Yeah, I want to say. Yeah. Because um, they're sort of designed about engagement and anger makes people engage. So that's what is promoted.
1: Yeah. And so, um, you know, I... I did end up posting cause I did end up sharing cause I, I, I figured this is something big that's going on in my life and I'll share a little bit of an update. And, um, you know, not that cancer is controversial, so I wasn't expecting angry responses, <laughs> <laughs> but, right. uh, the, the number of people who did take time to either comment or message me separately, um, has been really, I'm going to use the word gratifying, but mm-hmm. in the way that, um, I don't know. It was actually kind of nice to hear from people that I hadn't been able to talk to in like 10 plus years. And even if it was just in yeah. passing, I like that meant a lot to me. That honestly mm-hmm. meant a lot to me. Um, I heard from people who were like messaged me privately and said like, is there anything I can do? You know, I, they were offering to like, get me connected to doctors or to things. And it it felt, it felt to me very genuine and it was unexpected, I guess. Um, it wasn't, it, it it went beyond performativity that I think is sometimes what we expect from again, um, platforms like, like Facebook and Instagram, I guess.
0: Yeah. So, um, so you're saying people should do more to reach out to people they haven't talked to in years Yeah, and maybe try and catch up with them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if, even if I don't want to, I mean, <laughs> yes, I think that people should do more <laughs> to just randomly reach out like, Hey, I thought of you today. And even if that person never responds, like I'm pretty, uh, I, there's a 95% chance that that was a nice thing to receive. Right. Yeah. I, I think that we should do more to reconnect with one another and just say, Hey, I remember this thing about you and it made me, yeah, I, I thought of you today.
0: <laughs> right. Without, it's just like,
1: without expecting reciprocation. It's not like we're all best friends again. I don't know. Whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, of course not. The way I think about social media is like, yes, it's designed to to promote this hate and like make that the, the main thing, anger as the primary engagement tool, but you can stop and actively think about how to use it, mm-hmm. which is why at some point, I don't remember, I just started posting on social media, just like random stuff I learned,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which I don't like... Sometimes it's a little bit controversial, I guess, but um, most of the time it's like fact-based things or just like weird, interesting stuff. I thought that somebody reading this might think, oh, that's amusing and do the slight puff of air out of their nose. That is what an internet laugh is these days. Um, And just, you know, use it in the way that you want it to be used. I like to use Facebook to connect with people and then try and ask them to be on my podcast and we can connect some more and stuff like that and sorry, that was all rant, but
1: No, that's okay. I I, I think I can I can swing us back. Um, yeah. So but ultimately <laughs> I you know, after actually I was done with my treatment, um, I did post so like I ended up doing two posts. One one at, right after I got my biopsy and then one like Eight, six months later when I had finished treatment. I
0: think I saw the second.
1: Yeah. And yeah. so um, I had been trying to figure out like how much, A, how much do I want to share? Cause it's, it's, you know, it's my personal experience and I'm a relatively private person. And B, I think it is important to be like really honest about what are the things that people go through. Um, and, and, and authentic um, mm-hmm. about all of the good and the bad and um, the ugly. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, the good yeah. things, the bad things um, and not to just be super rosy about I've survived and now my life is going to be great because right. it's not.
0: <laughs> yeah. A, a lesson from that, from my wife, I'll see if she's okay with me sharing this, but like her growing up in this like, I'm just going to say you're like really religious household. They always had these rosy conversations about childbirth and pregnancy and how it's all these amazing positive upsides. And turns out there's also some uh, crappy stuff involved with that whole process. And like, I think she became prepared for it, but like it was a lot to take in because it was like, this is not what I was told growing up. So there's a lot of benefit to having honest conversations in order to help people accurately prepare for what's to come. Yeah. I think those, everybody will be better off that way. So Um, did you have anybody who you hadn't talked to in a long time and then like reached out to you and now you talk regularly? Is that a thing?
1: Yes. um, Actually. uh, Yeah. A good friend from college um, from Rice uh, who does live in the area and, or in the Bay Area close by and we just had always sort of maybe connected every like year to wish each other happy birthday or if they were in the area but now um, we check in pretty yeah. regularly and it's been really nice. Um, I also have cool. a friend that I made basically she kind of became she kind of went from being just a work friend to actual friend um mm, mm-hmm. through through this experience um so that was kind of cool to see that evolve
0: um so it sounds like you know you've been reflecting a lot on life and things regarding just you know everything since your diagnosis I mean you've probably been doing it before too but you know really jump it afterwards I'm sure so like so could you speak more to that
1: what's next for me um I, so I am on leave of absence. I requested basically um, additional leave of absence from work, uh, like kind of not sabbatical, right? Cause there's a very technical terms for that. Um, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, use, I was on leave. I was going through treatment. Uh, work was really supportive. Um, and then when it got time to be like, okay, I'm, it might be getting close for me to go back to work. I just, I couldn't see myself doing it. Um, And uh, so I requested an additional um, seven month leave through the end of the calendar year, uh, which they were um, willing to, to grant me, um, which I'm very grateful. Um, It's unpaid. So the end of this year, it's unpaid, but Yeah. Point is, I can have it. I have a job waiting when, if I want to come back. You have a job waiting.
0: You're not just getting the boot. Um, That's good. That
1: being said, so I'm one month into that extra leave. And Mm -hmm. it's been an adjustment. And I mean that in the way of like, it has been up and down. And I have really loved being back in the Bay Area. Um, And seeing my friends and uh, loved ones, you know, my found family. And then I'm still in recovery. And it's hard. Um, I'm living by myself. I have to, like, make all of these micro choices every day about... How am I going to get food? What am I going to eat? Am I going to try to cook or should I just order food? Um, do I need to save money? Oh, that thing is clean or that thing is dirty. It's just dusty. So maybe mm-hmm. I don't have to clean it up because um, I just want to take a nap. Um, I have all this newfound freedom. How can I take advantage of it? Because I don't have to go to work. So I should be maximizing every minute <laughs> of every day and feeling guilty when- That's
0: capitalist propaganda. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um like turning turning uh, rest and recovery time into productive lifetime, even if it's not work productive i have to I have to maximize everything. Um, mm-hmm. so that's been an adjustment um and and just trying to figure out how to allow myself to um, re-enter adulting, but in a way that I don't, I don't want to go back to the way that I used to be doing it, which was very functional. I went to work and there were good things about it, right? I go to work. I, mm-hmm. I like my work. I like uh, my colleagues. I have good friends, but, but it became just very rote. And, you know, I didn't enjoy cooking. It was cooking and eating were functional. Um, I yeah, was trying to figure out like, oh, I have to read this or I have to watch this because everybody's talking about it. Well, no, like fuck, <laughs> like what do I what do I want to watch? Maybe I want to rewatch fifteen seasons of Criminal Minds because <laughs> I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't, you know, <laughs> and that's comforting. comforting now. <laughs> There's something comforting in knowing <laughs> what's going to happen. Um, I started to go off on a tangent, but I was looking forward to like I'm going to have the seven months to rediscover life and what's important in it and, and plan things out. And the like, I've been having a hard time doing that because I've also spent my mm. whole life having a plan and, um,
0: Currently you're planless. And currently
1: I'm planless and that, that is hard for me. But, um, you know, I think, you know, mindfulness is a very trendful, trendy thing right now. Um, and I think there's mm-hmm. a lot to it. Um,
0: I've got an episode on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I've got to plug it. Sorry. No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> That's, I, I think, I, please plug away. Um, it is really important because, um, like, I think one of the things that changed um, about my sort of, like, outlook on life when I got diagnosed was kind of the idea of, of not not knowing. Well, yeah. Okay, mortality, right? Like during right. all of the uncertainty before we, I knew about what the treatment plan was going to be and the potential prognosis. Um, I had to think about like life and legacy or whatever. And
0: how long do I have left? Yeah. Um, what am I going to do with it?
1: And it did make me think about how I had been spending my time, and so. I do want to change how I approach life. And I know that, um, you know, we have to think about the future, but I don't want to do that at the expense of, um, I don't want to keep putting so many things off at the expense of enjoying like the people and the things that we have now. So
2: um,
1: I am hoping that over the next seven months, I am able to both rest and um, relearn how to enjoy life, but hopefully I have a future to think about too. I mean, I know I have to do that. Um, <laughs> and it, and so it's all a balance. Yeah. And I think, and I think before I, I think before I, I had just been like going through the motions of living while enjoying it, but like, <laughs> I don't, I'm not right. being very articulate right now, but Uh,
0: (laughs) You have this big opportunity in front of you where everything's been shaken up. It's like a snow globe and you get to hopefully control how it's settling down in a way that works better for you and your happiness.
1: That is a...
0: And you have seven months to think about it. Seven months to make it happen.
1: That's a beautiful metaphor. That's a beautiful metaphor. I like it.
2: Um...
0: I have a recommendation. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'll leave that in, but um, listen to the YouTube channel, The Vlog Brothers.
2: Oh, the Greens,
0: John and Hank Green. Yeah, Yeah. I might be biased being a Green myself, (laughs) but um, Hank Green is undergoing chemo right now. I saw that, but that's not why you should listen to him. You should you should listen to them just because they have a lot of good stuff to say. Like something you were saying earlier, he he had a whole rant. He was talking about how you produce happiness Mm -hmm. we always think about how we need to be productive and like we need to be on the grind to make more money or whatever but sometimes the thing you are producing is happiness which you can just do by watching tv and relaxing and you don't have to always be so hard on yourself Mm -hmm. because happiness is important to produce as well also one of the things you mentioned that you wanted to talk about was legacy
1: yeah it's i mean it's funny to think about now because i have I have a good prognosis, but it's something that I thought about a lot when, um, with all of the uncertainty, um, throughout this process and, um, the very real possibility that, uh, that I might die. Um, and what would that mean for, (sighs) I'm not, you know, I'm not a spiritual person um, or I'm not really a spiritual person. I'm not, not a religious person, but I do like to think that there is some kind of benevolent force or uh, mm-hmm. rhyme or reason to to the kind of chaos that we live in um, and, and some kind of meaning. And so I think what I've kind of settled with is, you know, did I very capitalist, but did I, did I work hard? Did I try hard? Did I (laughs) make friends? Did I have a positive impact, um, on people? Did I leave a positive impact on, on, on other people and fellow human beings? And I, I think that, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing good to try to get into an afterlife, but I'm doing good to try and keep that ripple going, I guess. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that, you know, the the whole point of life is to be kind to one another. Um, I do think it is, but <laughs> I, I think it's, compa- I, I, I don't know if it's kindness, but I think it's compassion. Um, okay. Let me, let me go back to legacy. Um, what I, what I want to be able to say about myself is that um, I did my best to live my life and take actions that were authentic to what I believe in. And my values, and so I think that's kind of where um, kindness. I think about I get well. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about integrity. Actually, is a better word. I I lived my life mm-hmm. with integrity to my beliefs or core. Yeah, core values. Um, and and core values can also include compromise. Um, but like, did I? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then, and one of my core values is compassion, which is. Not just telling people what they want to hear or going along with everything, but um, also sometimes pushing back or, or saying or trying to get people to, I don't even, because it's not, it's not even just about politics or it's not about debates or discussions,
0: but it is. Sometimes it's just like, you know, that man's wrong for you. You need to stop dating. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it can be about anything.
1: Yeah, it can be about anything.
0: That's an act of compassion. Sometimes.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh, what's gonna be happening next for you?
1: Um, I so I have some scans coming up um, at the beginning of July um, to both check on healing from my surgery. Because um, you know, fun fact: when when they punch a hole in your brain, it takes time for. A, like a graft to fully settle in <laughs> <Crazy>. um, <laughs> Crazy. um so both to check on the healing of the surgery and then um whether or not there's been there's any remaining cancer or progression um because you know truth be told this this was a really aggressive tumor um and it's a the cancer the type of cancer itself um, has been known to have. Uh, high percentage of recurrence in like kind of the next five to 10 year spans. So, um, you know, yeah. knock on wood that um, this first run will come back clean, but there's going to be a lot of um, monitoring um, for the next several years of my life.
0: Um, right decades decades. The next yeah. decades of your life yeah all right so with all of that in mind what do you think are some of your like key takeaways what could other people other people should learn from your experiences or could learn from your experiences
1: okay, I don't know what people should learn from my experiences <laughs> but I think you know one thing for sure is um if if you feel like something is off with your body, like medically, or you know, for me it was burning when I cried, um, go see a doctor. Get it checked out. Don't wait. And, and also make sure you're telling your doctors how it feels, because sometimes they might dismiss it, and, and if you feel like something's off, you know, you should feel f- free to speak up about it.
0: Yeah, so many so hard to be an advocate for yourself sometimes, but you yeah. have to do that at the doctor's office.
1: And like on the same note, navigating the US healthcare and insurance systems is needlessly complicated. So it'll be frustrating, but don't let that stop you either. <laughs>
0: right. I just started listening to a new podcast that was all about how women's pain is mostly ignored by doctors. Mm-hmm. Even female doctors and nurses, like sometimes they'll ignore the pain. Like, oh, no, that pain is normal, even though it's very much not normal.
1: And there's very much a racial component in there, too. I think, yeah.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Black women have it so much worse.
1: Yeah, I think. um, And then another thing that I would say um, that we've kind of talked about already uh, is, you know, definitely just check in with your friends, your acquaintances. Particularly, well, check in with your friends if they're going through, if you know they're going through something um, and let them tell you what kind of support they might need. Um, And on sort of a related note is like if you, I would say just check in with people that you remember from a long time ago and maybe they respond and maybe they don't, but it was probably a nice bright spot in their day.
0: Yeah. Just talk, just be Mm -hmm. friendly with people. The worst thing that happens is they don't say anything (laughs) for most of the I guess the worst thing could be some worst things that happen, but most likely what's going to happen is they don't say anything (laughs) and then you don't have to worry about it.
1: Um, The biggest thing that I've learned or that I'm still sort of grappling with now is just understanding that, you know, the recovery process doesn't end with treatment um, you know, after having surgery and going through radiation and chemo, um, you know that sucked. But in some ways, it was easier when I my only focus from the day to day stuff was getting better. And now that I am done with all of that, I'm having to figure out like how do I reintegrate into a world that like kept going while my my life was on pause. Um, you know. Friends and reconnecting with people that I haven't seen in six months, and um, figuring out how do I like slide back into working while also not wanting to because I want to like figure out how to relive life <laughs> and, and, and just sort of you know, there's still a lot that's really uncertain, and um, I'm just having to understand or try to figure out how to get back to some kind of semblance of normal.
0: And with that, I just want to say thank you for coming on my podcast and sharing your story with me.
1: Thank you for the invitation. It was really good to catch up.
0: So this is a follow up a few weeks later after the initial record of the podcast. And Larissa tells us her scans came back clean and that she will have future scans, you know, for the upcoming future. And uh, we're going to keep hoping everything is best for her. Uh, and she also wanted to give a shout out to Denver's mom. <laughs>